0: Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? What would you be willing to do to raise money for charity? Would you, I don't know, share a post on Facebook? Would you door knock? Maybe a fun run? How about a solo bike ride, thousands of kilometres across Australia? Twice. No, me neither. Well, Andrew Kerrick did exactly that to raise money for charities supporting people with spinal cord injuries. It was after his father Ludwig became a quadriplegic at 61 in a bike accident while training for an Ironman competition. Andrew has just completed a second ride, which was almost 7,000 kilometres over 68 days across Australia from its western to easternmost points. Andrew, welcome to you. Uh, good afternoon, Andy. Tell me about your dad, Ludwig. He was a cartographer at one stage, so you, as a family, were pretty familiar with maps and traversing the countryside. You were camping and kind of fishing and boating family. There's a real adventurous spirit to your family, isn't there?
1: Ah, uh, there certainly is. I mean, we were we were bored up uh, on uh, topographical maps, uh, spreadsheets, and. Uh, Know, journeys around Australia in combis and HQ station wagons. Um, so, you're a very adventurous upbringing, which I'm very thankful for.
0: Tell me about his accident.
1: Uh, look, he was uh, going through probably second midlife crisis, uh, getting a little bit pudgy in his 50s, and decided he'd, uh, he'd get fit. He's uh, inspired by my brother who uh, was doing triathlons. Um, and, you know, he went uh, in true Carrick fashion. He went full noise uh, and decided he'd uh, uh, try for an Ironman event. And uh, about a week before the Port Macquarie Ironman, uh, he was just on a light training ride and unfortunately got hit by another cyclist who was uh, travelling on a bike path at speed. And um, his helmet garretted his neck and, and uh, he became a complete uh, C5 quadriplegic in an instant. So yeah, very life-changing moment for the whole family.
0: In the time after this accident, which just sounds so gruesome, you, you don't think helmets would be in any way injurious to, to you, but, it, you know, obviously the accident happened at speed. In the days after or weeks after this accident, you made a promise to him. What did you promise him? Uh, well, we, we got transferred up to Sydney for
1: a long time and, uh, you know, Dad, um, I think... Uh, as the realisation set in to him and to the family, really struggled, you know, mentally and emotionally uh, with what the changes would mean. Um, we were putting things in front of him and, you know, one of the things was fishing and camping and, and the ability to to keep doing that. Um, and I made a promise to him that if he got back up to Darwin and and uh, and went fishing with us and, and had a beer on the beach with our good friends the Watleys up there and caught himself a fish that I'd ride my mountain bike from, from Canberra to Humpty Doo. Um, and he achieved all that. He caught a fish, um, probably the unluckiest fish in the ocean at the time, uh, but he got it nonetheless. And I'd kind of forgotten about that promise, but he reminded me about it. So uh, the next thing you knew, I was riding from Canberra to Humpty Doo. <laughs>
0: What does training look like for this or, you know, is it more about saving the pain for when you're actually doing it?
1: Uh, it's actually when you got to ride sort of 150 kilometres a day, you know, on a dual suspension mountain bike, I don't think training's possible time-wise. So you just ride as much as you can, keep fit, keep healthy, um, and, um, and then hope that your body – one thing I inherited from my father was uh, – was I I guess a a physical strength and endurance and um, you just had to be as prepared as you can and ride yourself into it and uh, after a couple of weeks of doing that your your body sort of doesn't know anything else and becomes a little bit robotic.
0: So you're doing 150 kilometres a day on some of the most remote stretches of the Australian uh, roadways. You're doing it for 12 hours a day what are you thinking about? What are you using to keep yourself stimulated? whilst uh,
1: doing this? Yeah, good question. Sometimes I uh, I wonder how I achieve that myself. But I uh, I do invent a lot of songs. I uh, I sing a lot of Meatloaf. Um, his songs tend to go on <laughs> forever, so they're always good. Ba- so bat Out of Hell. <laughs> yeah, Bat Out of uh, Hell is a great one and Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Um, I guess I, uh, I set myself little challenges like, you know, get to the next crest there might be something interesting there or you know or we'll, or we'll get as far as ahead from or beat the record for getting ahead of the support vehicle you know in the morning um, you know getting to the next sign or the next Junction um, but also you know reflecting a lot on uh, you know what we're doing what we're achieving who we're raising money for and, and who we're supporting um, and getting the perspective from that to know that it might be hard sometimes, might be a little bit physical, physically challenging, um, but, you know, compared to what um, those that we're supporting go through on a day-by-day basis, I just think to myself, well, keep pedalling your wuss. It's not that hard.
0: <laughs> I, I gather you're the sort of person that uh, doesn't take much time to, be, uh, to, to, to wallow, I mean, and, and you can't really when you're dealing with the amount of distance you've got to deal with. And... You mentioned that your body kind of relaxes into the daily grind of this sort of 12 hours, 150 kilometers a day. Is is there a point where you, you start to think it's fun or is that the wrong word? Uh, fun
1: is probably – there's fun moments, um, but, yeah, that's probably the wrong word. I, I think it – It it can become mentally clearing. Um, You know, I think when you go from the busy work lifestyle and the rat race and the cities, um, you know, to having the privilege of just being able to focus on riding through the country, uh, you know, some remote areas and some magnificence areas, um, it it becomes actually a bit of a, a privilege. And you enjoy just having that mental, you know, clearness in your head that all I have to do today is get my body up and get it warm and, and feed it and, uh, and ride You know another 150 kilometres through some terrain I've never been through before. Um, so, yeah, it's um, not quite fun, um, but, uh, but definitely a privilege.
0: So in the middle of this meditation, if you like, sometimes it's broken by some of the interesting characters that you meet in the middle of nowhere. I understand you came across a less than friendly pack of wild dingoes.
1: I did actually, I uh, I was in the, I think it was in the Stresleti, Streslecki desert um, and uh, I was in one of those uh, mental zones just riding along um, and suddenly realised I had a pack of five dingoes chasing me. Um, to this day, I don't know whether they were chasing me or hunting me, um, but they would not let me go. Uh, in the end, I sort of had to choose a spot to turn around and make a last stand and they hung around for a while and I threw a few rocks and, and the big one uh, stayed with me for another five or ten kilometres. Uh, anyway, it was a, quite an interesting experience. Dingoes are sort of a funny animal. I, I was never quite sure whether they wanted to eat me or they just wanted a pat, but I did carry a, uh, a couple of rocks in
0: my backpack and a great big stick for the next 20 kilometres just in case. Yeah, you don't really want to find out. Tell me, what's the story behind your nickname the white emu.
1: Uh, well, it was a. Uh, I was riding along the Gun Barrel Highway, uh, which is very badly named, um, and um, and having uh, PTSD, I think, from sand and and corrugated uh, brown rubble and and um, and all those sorts of things. And I noticed a it was a Toyota Hilux coming towards me. I think they must have been doing about a hundred kilometres an hour because they figured out that. You can kind of hovercraft over all the corrugations. So I took off into the bush, and um, yeah, a, a, uh, a group of first Australians hopped out with uh, big smiles on their faces and and looked at me in disbelief and said, "What are you doing out here, mate? We thought you were a white emu." <laughs>
0: uh,
1: so, yeah, from that moment on, uh, when it was relayed to the support crew, they, uh, they nicknamed me that and that stuck, I think, for the next two months of the ride. Every booking we had, accommodation or restaurant or, or roadhouse uh, was in the name of the White Emu.
0: <laughs> Codename White Emu. You can't, uh, you can't buy nicknames like that. Andrew Kerrick is with me on RN Drive. We're discussing his time riding a m- mountain bike across uh, Australia twice, in fact. I want to talk to you about the kind of spirit that you encounter in some of these tiny little places. I'm thinking about the town of Eromanga, population 36. This Australian spirit's very much alive and well, isn't it? Oh, look, it certainly is.
1: Uh, I mean, the, the ride was very remote um, and, um, you know, by design. Um So we came across a lot of travellers and campers um, but had very uh, limited opportunities in towns uh, and townships. Um, Eramanga was amazing. Um, Such a a population of 36, I think they only got electricity in the 70s or 80s. Um, And I had a a pretty horrific day. The, The support vehicle had a massive... Uh, flat and as I came into Aramanga it was parked next to a cop car so I thought they would just got booked uh, but as it turned out uh, this community had organised a, a police escort into the town and a, a truck salute. Uh, there was a cold beer waiting for me uh, you know and, the, and many of the townsfolk came out including old Rob um, with a big welcome sign. Um, you know they they supported us. They provided us with uh, accommodation and food. Uh, the local policeman did a 250-kilometre round trip to replace our tyre. Uh, I was just blown away by Aramanga. I think their uh, claim to fame is the, uh, I think the furthest town from the sea. Uh, but yeah, they certainly end up being the closest town to our hearts. That's for sure. It was magnificent.
0: Mm. So at the end of it, you've raised over $200,000, you've completed this incredible feat, and you also broke the record for the longest solo bike ride by 22 days, if I'm not mistaken. I know that you promised your wife that you wouldn't do it again. Are you about to break that promise, do you think? (laughs)
1: Uh, Officially, no.
0: (laughs) She's not listening, I promise. I'm not going to bring her out from behind a curtain, but it sounds like it is addictive, and... Uh, you know, you know, so much about how to do this and how to do this well now, and you've been so successful. It's a real credit to you, but you'd be forgiven for thinking, wow, it's such an amazing experience. You want to see it and do it again.
1: Well, I think it's the uh, you know the ultimate goal is uh, is fundraising and supporting you know Hartley Life Care and Spinal Cure Australia, uh, and that does get addictive because you, you see the results, uh, particularly with Hartley Life Care, uh, who are a local Canberra organisation. I mean, they provide care, respite, accommodation, support services for people living with complex disabilities, uh, and I, I and I get to see that on a daily basis. So that's magnificently rewarding. Uh, and Spinal Cure Australia's Project SPARK, you know, neurostimulation uh, clinical trials, um, just got amazing potential for really changing the lives of people living with spinal cord injury. Um, so there's also that side of things. And, and, you know, when you get to the end and you get to provide the funds to those organisations and, and see the change and, and the better outcomes possible, um,
0: I think that's more addictive um, than my mountain biking feats, that's for sure. Well, Andrew, congratulations on all of your fundraising. It's such a, an important cause and you've really, uh, I'm sure, made your dad, Ludwig, proud in the process. You can find out more information about Andrew's ride and also where to donate, and I strongly encourage you to do so. The spine-tingling ride, all one word, au. Good on you, Andrew. Thanks for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park.